When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Okay, I want to tell you about one of our sponsors, Bet Online, our exclusive wagering partner. Bet Online, of course, where you get all your action on NFL football, NBA basketball, and Bet Online AG is the place you want to go. More options to wager than anywhere else online. So, online today, take advantage of all the great midseason bonuses, offers, and contests. Bet Online, your online sportsbook experts. Use the code CLNS50 when you go to betonline.ag. Once again, betonline.ag, code CLNS50 to get you 50% off your initial deposit. Hello. Welcome. Welcome back to Sherrod. Welcome to Jimmy Toscano. Just the three of us here tonight, and we are doing what I've been itching for, Jimmy, and you've been dreading. (laughs) <laughs> Olympic oh. post game show. <laughs> oh, no, boy. no, Olympic post game exhibition show. That, that's yes. that's the dreadful part. I, I'm all about the I, Olympics, but I just can't get too high or low about these games yet. I thought Bobby was just joking about the the Olympic exhibition post game shows. I didn't think this was a reality based uh, idea, he's, but he's here we are. Into have you been excited for these games, Sharon? No, I, I have not. <laughs> I, I, I've not, I haven't. And in fact. For me, Team USA losing to Nigeria was like one of the best things that could have happened for everyone involved. The interest Team USA, <laughs> Well, the interest factor is greater now. Team USA, they needed to get smacked upside the head to, to come back to earth and, and understand that you can't just roll out of bed, meet five guys at the park or 12 guys at the park and just beat the snot out of teams. It doesn't work that way anymore. The, right. the, the game is so global now where you have to have a certain amount of cohesion. And we saw that you know, against, you know, Argentina, where they clearly were on more on the same page than we saw in the previous two games. And that was good to see. But the exhibition games now, they've been to the point where you actually have some developing storylines going into the Olympics that you didn't have before that. Frankly, I think to your point, Jimmy, I think more people will watch these games now because there are, frankly, teams that you want to find out more about. Do you want to find out if this Nigeria team, are they legit? Uh, is are, is Team USA, was this the wake-up call that they needed? Uh, this Argentina team, this is not Manu Ginobili's Argentina team that we know and love. It's they, Luis they Gola's suck. Yeah. It's Luis Gola's team, man. 41 years and old, I can't believe it. And that's part of the problem. It's his team. Dude, he looks uh, damn that's... good. He looks damn good. It's he just the other 11... He looks good, but he doesn't look good. Well, he you can't go. Listen, I mean. no, he shouldn't be covering. No, Jimmy, this is this is what it is, Jimmy. He looks good. Dot 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 for a forty-one-year-old yeah. guy playing professional he damn basketball. Good. He looks damn good for a forty-one. I mean, the- isn't this something? Skull at forty-one. A- Paul Gasol is going to be leading Spain at forty. This is like I think the USA needs. Uh, you know who could they put in retirement here? <laughs> These Euros, man, they they live right. They go on holiday. They extend their lives, and they you know they could they, they could. Skola could probably be in the next Olympics after this one. Stop. Let's Stop. put Kevin Garnett out there. They need some Let's bring Kevin Garnett. Let's get Paul <laughs> Scare him Pierce. A little Let's bit. get Ray Allen. You know, I used to think Skola. Why don't we just roll out Bill Russell while we're at it? Hell, we'll I just tried, bring back I tried all, like, everyone. I tried like hell to get Skola on the Celtics. It's like that pip and pop, pip, 
pick and pop big that they could have used back in the day. You know, he was like automatic. He always played well against the Celtics, but they they never they just never made it happen. They never they could never match up, I guess. But you know, maybe maybe hey. vet, maybe a veteran minimum deal now after what I saw tonight. Stop, Jimmy. Stop. <laughs> just right, stop. Fine. So yeah, developing stories there. I'm <laughs> I'm following this developing story behind Sherrod. Is that a is that a Luigi Datome jersey? Absolutely. <laughs> That's please, my guy. Please, I hope that's it is. That's my guy. Oh, I've been that's eyeing my guy. that for weeks now. That's my guy, man. You just put Bobby's jersey in a body bag, dude. <laughs> I thought that was he like was a, like, a play on my jersey up here. I'm like, no, come on, you got to bring it that's down. That's my to the guy, drama. man. I, I, I loved him when he was in Boston. I loved him when he was in Detroit. The guy had about, you know, maybe a six centimeter vertical, but I didn't care because when he released, I always felt it was going to go in. I Dude, love Brad, that Brad loved him too. Wait, Sherrod, I'm sorry. There's got to be like a backstory to this here. I mean, out of all the players you've covered in your career, you have a Detome jersey hanging up of every. <laughs> I mean, I can't. I can't imagine that's true. Listen, you can easily find a Kevin Garnett, Kyrie Irving, <laughs> you know, Paul Pierce, sure, you, Rasheed Wallace. This is this is this is a this is a keeper. Is that this hard is to one find? that you? Uh, yeah. No. <laughs> no, I, at the at the time I at the time I got it, it was very readily available. <laughs> I've I had, see that. I've had it for a while. Uh so okay. no. All right, I'm gonna have That's to That's my guy, it. man. I, like so for example, a, a jersey that I'm going to be getting at some point, I'm gonna get a Kevin Herter jersey from Atlanta. Because a lot okay. that again, he's gonna be I have this collection of guys that I want their jerseys because they represent a unique skill set at a unique time that most people overlook. Like the Tillman could shoot the hell out the ball. He could. But you're not going to remember that. Uh, Brad loves Herter, him. I think, is – and he should. He should love him. I love him. Everyone loves Gigi. I actually still Great follow nickname. Gigi on the gram, man. He's doing, he's doing well over there he's, overseas. He's he still, is doing well. He's still winning games and doing he's his thing. We need to, we need to get him on a garden report one of these days. There yeah, I've seen him on some, some shows. For you, Bobby. That would be a, that would be some good guests. We got a lot of uh, potential people over the next couple of weeks here because it's gonna be it's gonna be a little slow once these finals end. You know, we do have the Olympics here the next few weeks. Um, keeping an eye out for obviously the big news out of tonight in the blowout is Jason Tatum not playing late scratch mm-hmm. with the knee soreness. Wah, wah. Probably not much. I I saw him. The only thing I saw at a, the Australia game that signaled well, there were two things that signaled to me that something might not be right there. Those backline cuts that he allowed to end that game yeah. just just stuck in the mud. I couldn't believe how bad he looked defensively at the end of that game. And it looked actually coming out of the tunnel to start the game. Like he might have been a little sore. But it looked like the groin area or something to me. I didn't see any knee soreness during the game. So we'll wait and see. They've been slow to come out to those pressers. So nothing's out there yet. Um, but if this is something that could potentially keep him out for a little bit here... Uh, is this the kind of thing you would think would shut him down, Sherrod, or would he just kind of set out these exhibitions and then jump in those real games? Well, I think I think this is a situation where having your head coach be there with you is a very good thing because I think <laughs> if there is any good hint that Tatum isn't going to be right and that this is something that can linger, you better believe Mr. Udoka is going to be no more no more games for you, JT. Sit sit down. Watch, do what I'm doing. Watch the games because your value, literally, your value is so much greater once we get past this Olympics than it is in this moment. And I think Jason Tatum, again, he's he's a smart enough guy to know that his 
he has to be physically ready to roll when the Celtics season, not only because of who he is and his stature with the team, but your right-hand man, JB, may not be ready to go from day one. And if that's the case, your impact is going to be needed even more so than it already is. So I, I expect him, if, 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 this, there's, if there's any inkling that this thing might be more than just a little soreness, that they're going to shut him down. Man, I, I, I hope that it's, I mean, obviously I hope that it's minor, but this, this is the worst thing you want to hear. Is it is. It ri- is. Like knee soreness, I hate hearing knee soreness. Give me something upper body, you know, give me like whatever, but don't tell me right knee soreness. I have Sore nightmares. Back. I think Celtics fans have nightmares about right and left knee soreness with the history of this team going back to, you know, KG and all, KG. Those, all, those, all those players, man, and – Man, to, to have something – if something really was tweaked and it, for it to get worse, like overseas and all this crap, that is why some people – and they were the minority, but there were some people that just didn't want – That's Jason what I'm Tatum saying. Where's Nick? Cough This Nick. is Nick's big Cough take. Nick, He's not here. <laughs> I thought he would have begged to come on tonight just oh, to rub it in Lord. our faces. Especially with the 0-2 start. Yeah. What do you, what's even the upside here? Even gonna get gold. <laughs> I'm just <laughs> right, gonna. Right, I'll, right. I'll try to do my best, Nick, tonight. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, I, well, that's I, a good start. That's a good start. To, yeah. Let's let's not you know jump to conclusions just yet. But obviously, and I and I like Sherrod's point. You know, your head coach is there, and he's probably making sure that you're taking extra precautions. And you know, maybe it's maybe it's barely barely sore at all. Maybe they just didn't want him to go back to back. You know, I mean, they just played yesterday and. What's the point in doing that, anyways? Playing back to back. That is you know, a good point. USA games. Doing back to back. Why the hell are we doing USA training back? camp? Like this is ridiculous, really. I mean, come on. <laughs> I, 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 I'm trying to understand the, logic the IOC. That. <laughs> like we didn't do enough back to backs over the last 365 days where we need to do back to back exhibition Olympic games. Really? So I, I, yeah. I saw you. I saw you tweeting, Sharad, because everybody was just you know the Nigeria game came and went. It's like oh that was weird. And then all of a sudden you go through the Australia game and they lose two straight. And it's like, all right, something's happening here. They might still win gold. They probably will. They're still pretty heavy favorites to do so. But something's up with this team. Like, you know, you heard Joe Varden and Pop get into it yesterday over the margin of victories. And Varden had a point that this team, they win gold medal games by 30. And, you know, I'm all for having some more competitive games. The last two games were closer than any NBA Finals game we've watched so far. So I've enjoyed those, but something is just off with this group. And I know they're, they're off playoff runs and they don't have glue guys and stuff like that, but they still have the best shooters on the planet and the best scorers on the planet here. Yeah, but but over the course of not one, but two truncated seasons, to go from that to right to Olympic play with very little downtime in between – you're not going to be at the t- at your peak performance level. You are not, and and then let's not throw, let's not ignore the fact that they've had what now three games and what maybe six days together, something ridiculous like that. Mm. You're not going to have chemistry. You're not going to have cohesion. Throw in the fact that you have had back to back truncated seasons, which have frankly put more mileage on those wheels than normally they're used to in a two-year, two-season period, you're going to take some time to get into a flow, to get into a rhythm, to figure out how to not just play with each other, but how to win with each other. I mean, you look at the end of that that Nigeria game. I mean, it was pathetic how they seemed to have no clue down the street. I mean, well, here's the – both of the losses, I had major problems with how they executed down the stretch. Against Nigeria, 
I felt that they had no idea what they wanted to do in those closing moments, who to go to, who, what type of plays to call for guys to get open, and thus they they screwed that up. Against Australia, for about two, maybe two and a half minutes to play, you're down by, I think it was like five, and they just started jacking threes rather than going and attacking that empty-ass thing we call the paint. There was no one there. Why would you not beat your man off the dribble, get a bucket, actually get a stop defensively, get enough? There was so much time that they could have easily attacked, got an easy deuce, or get fouled, go to the free throw line, and get back, play defense, and win that game. But they rather they tried to take the easy route. They, you know what they remind me of? They reminded me of what happens when you're playing a pickup game and the light street lights come on, and you know this is probably your last game. You're not trying to do the things to win. You're just trying to get the hell out of there. So that's when you're just jacking threes just for the sake yeah. of jacking threes. Uh, and to <laughs> me, that pissed me off. I was more upset about the Australia loss than the Nigeria one. Because Nigeria, I thought, played maybe the best game that they could possibly play. 23s? That, that just doesn't happen. Australia was a very winnable game that they absolutely choked away because they did not play with the kind of focus and effort down the stretch. They took the they took the cool breeze route, jacking yeah. threes, rather than attacking and finishing at the rim. That three is the great equalizer. It really is. And Australia didn't explode from three, but they were creating the quality looks out there and then just walking in the basket that there are a roster issues here with this USA team. And that's why I'm not completely ruling out the chance that they lose. I'm, I'm shocked by how little interior presence they have, even with Bam out there this time. And the point guard facilitating role on this roster is basically non-existent. And you had a pool of Who's 57 players. You couldn't find a role point guard. You couldn't get Marcus Smart up in there, defend some guys on the wing. You couldn't get... It's a bevy of centers out there, Jared Allen, guys like that, interior they went with the They went with the big names. They didn't go for fit. Kevin Love as a choice here was just astonishing. You see the way this guy looks. And Pop opening training camp saying, oh, we got to get him back in the form. What, what kind of time is this to get a guy back in the form well, late in his career? Well, well, well let's, yeah. let's be this honest. This is his though. form. <laughs> this is who he is. Yeah, he is right, exactly right. who we thought he was. And as far as getting him in, in shape and form and all that talk, he played for freaking Cleveland Cavaliers. The Cavaliers. It's not like he. <laughs> it's, your, it's not like he's coming favorite. off like this. This extended postseason where his body is trying to just recuperate right. from a long. Hell, you've been off since then. Well, you've been off longer than anyone, basically. That was well, a shock. Uh, what's what's saying that that you know Love just took the last month. He's just been chilling. Yeah, I guess like. Yeah, a lot of these guys have Varden. I was laughing my ass off Liam Varden's piece about this. He was saying that they looked like they came from Dunkin' Donuts with hands on their knees, huffing and puffing. Wow. You know, like it was kind of deserved. Well, yeah. Ricochet shot at Dunkin's, by the way. These these guys look gassed. The defense has been disgraceful in two of these games. Like, I'm just shocked that people are saying, oh, it's just an exhibition. They've played 56 exhibitions since the Dream Team and then lost two before this. Then they come out and lose two to start this tournament. Obviously, that's going to set off panic alarms. You're not just not blowing out teams anymore. You're losing to teams. Right. And, you know, you, you include the three ball and other NBA players on other teams. We're talking about Pressure Sachua and Keza Apala and, you know, Gabe Vincent, these types of NBA benches. Yeah, obviously, that's going to close the gap a little bit here. But this is... This is self-inflicted by America here. And, you know, maybe Nick does have a little bit of a point here that some of these guys just aren't physically in the best spot to be performing at the highest level right now. I mean, getting on a plane to Japan is not going to help this group. 
No, no, it's not going to help them. And frankly, they got to care about winning. I mean, defense is all about effort. And I I just, I don't get the feeling that, and again, it's exhibition play, so there's no way you can really fully, you know, kind of gauge where they're at in that regard. But just when the game gets tight, even in exhibition games, you're trying to win. You are trying to do what you can to get the victory. And I just don't see that level of engagement with these guys. Because again, for them, you know, they, they remind me so much of so many teams that are near and dear our hearts who just say, oh, you know, we'll just wait till the Olympics and kind of turn it on and flip the switch. I was going to get so, to that. This is, such a, a this is such a Celtics 2020-2021 Olympic team we're seeing. Oh, my Lord. It God, just translated completely over. I feel like I'm watching the same exact team. <laughs> and the other it thing, is. Bobby, I think, I think you wrote about this. I Correct me if I'm wrong, or maybe you maybe you linked to it in your in your piece that's up on Celticsblog.com. I'll give you a little plug there. Wait, um, wait, throw the bounce pass, Jimmy. To yeah, Scott. yeah, that's well right. Done. See teamwork right there. Um, they're not like they're so the what you're, what guys like Tatum, for example, are used to is getting those touch foul calls, those ticky tack fouls, the continuation calls, and they're not getting them. It's a much more physical. Isn't that style something to say? And and I think they're, that's definitely one of the adjustments that they have to make now to this international style of game, which I'm all for. I think I speak for a lot of people when I, I say I, I like we it. Hate I like the way you officiate. Yeah, absolutely. Let, I mean, let the boys play. Like en- enough of this, you know, leaning into the shot and you know, looking for the continuation and all this crap. Like, just you're out there to you know, to win the game, play hard, and and you know, get get dirty out there if you have to. But you know, stop looking over to the refs. You know, just you should be able to beat any team out there based on talent. Basketball is a game about talent at the end of the day, for the most part in the NBA at least. And you can't argue the fact that this is the most talented team in this competition, and they just have to play a little bit more together. And again, it sounds like a Celtics, sounds like a Celtics postgame show. Get out of one-player mode and start moving the ball and start, you know, integrating other other players into into you know these plays here, and just play the game. Just play the game of basketball, and you should be good. I, it's it's just frustrating watching these last really all three exhibition games because it wouldn't be so bad if you felt that the U.S. talent wise just wasn't quite where it's been in past years. If maybe they had dropped down a notch or two in terms of overall talent, then you say, oh, well, you know what? This is what happens when you don't bring your best players out there. But you got freaking Kevin Durant. You got right. freaking Jason Tatum. You got like a you got a, a Lillard, I mean, if you I mean, you've got Lillard, you've got guy you've got like guys with like a total of like 40, 50, 60 all-star appearances yeah. to their collectively. You've got talent, but do you have a team? There is a difference. And I think when you look at them, you look at a team like Nigeria, which is a team. That's where <laughs> team this Australia the Olympics is all exactly teams typically beat talent when it comes Aussie to the Olympics. Team. They're, they're fun to watch. They're fun to watch. Yeah. Joe and Ingles, I'm least when he's on the ball. And Joe, and he's <laughs> players, but they scrap. Ingles is one of my favorite players to watch because he genuinely looks like he's having fun out there. He'll, you'll see him talking with other guys on the other team. You'll see him, you know, if he makes a, a bad play, he'll just like literally make fun of himself. And when he makes a good play, he'll jokingly point to you and just kind of like, you do realize I just like dropped like back-to-back threes on you and and you still won't guard me. He's got that type <laughs> of facial expressions, and yeah. he's just an enjoyable player to watch. And that team is like that. But again, they play as a team, not as talented individuals. The USA could take notes from that. 
he genuinely looks like the guy at the local YMCA who's just yes. running, running, running the show, but you would never really expect it until you get out there. Like, him I'll, and Jokic. I'll guard him, and then all of a sudden he just takes you to the woodshed. And, like, that's how they played. And honestly, another guy we haven't mentioned yet, but we might be talking about this offseason, is Patty Mills. Yes. I mean, Patty Mills crossed the hell out of Durant last night. I think it was Durant. It was so bad. It yeah. was so bad. It was so, he blew by him. And, he, I mean, he did get blocked by Draymond. Which kind of ruined the highlight, but, still, but man, but the blow by was impressive, right by him. And tell you yeah. what, Patty Mills, he's been doing it for years, and I'm sure Greg Popovich has seen that, uh, you know, on, on the right side of things. But he got to see it. So is Udoka? Yeah, that's a good point. Absolutely. So, mm-hmm. and that's a player that's hitting the free agent market and isn't going to command, you know, a ton of money, but is certainly a player that can contribute in more ways than one you know he's offensive burst he's a, he's energetic he's athletic he scraps he fights bobby were you is that what you were scouring for that whole time man that oh that, yeah that graphic. 22 Good. 22 in this one right 30 in that 2019 game i mean australia yeah. now is two wins in a row over the u.s going back to that tournament another exhibition uh, you gotta like what this guy brings to the table especially if he's willing to come here on a fairly cheap one-year deal you know, Doka connection possibly drives him here. The problem with him is I don't think he's as much of a facilitator. Right. He's kind of a guy who's going to go out not. there off the bench and seek his shot, which is fine if he's going to come here on a $2 million deal or something like that. Uh, but it doesn't solve their biggest problem. No, no it doesn't. No, it, it doesn't. It doesn't. And, and that's and that's really the, the kind of the the blessing and burden that you have when you go after a guy like, like Patty. Because, again, he's, he's such a just – an absolute he's from the Jamal Crawford school of scoring where Jamal Crawford, Lou Williams, those type of guys that come into the game, get you buckets are not exactly. They're not going to defend. They're not locking anybody up. They're not expecting to play 30, 35 minutes. They're just going to play their 10, 15, 20 minutes, get you 10, 12 points, go back to the bench, call it a day. And that's fine. But you to your point, how much is this going to cost you? And what does this do for your overall team chemistry, your team's ability to be right. better than they were this past season? I mean, if you bring in a guy like that who's 32 years old, uh, you know, you, you're not so much worried about injuries and stuff like that because, again, he's an older player, but it's not like he's got a ton of worn out tires on him. It's not like he's a, a 30, 35 minute per game or 30, yeah, a, a guy mm-hmm. that plays extensive minutes. That's not who he is. He's a short burst of energy and buckets. And you can use that if you're the Celtics, but you still haven't, to Bobby's point, you still haven't addressed, I think one of your biggest issues is who is going to be your primary facilitator? Because again, Team USA is a team of talent, but they don't look like a team. And part of that is that they don't have a legitimate bona fide facilitator. Yeah, right. And and I I agree. I mean, the last thing you want to do is is sign Patty Mills and 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 not let him be Patty Mills because that's like right. what happened with Kemba Walker. You know, you sign Kemba Walker, you're like, well, Kemba Walker, he's, he's you know, he doesn't fit the team. He, he needs to pass more. He needs to get you all these assists. It's like that's not who. Kemba that's not Walker what he do. Is. He's not gonna uh, do that. I was infuriated. It was like the worst <laughs> times that you could possibly have. And like again, it's not the case with Patty Mills. I mean, you you have a lesser version of that in Peyton Pritchard right now. So again, what's what's having two guys come off the bench that do the same thing? It doesn't really make much sense. Now it it's you know partially the Celtics' problem that they don't have that starting you know Cal. If they had that player, then Patty Mills would be perfect for this team. But he can't be signed to be that player. So it again, yeah, you're right. It, it might not be the right fit. But man, it would be. I mean, talk about a great role player to have and a guy that any team he joins, you know, assuming that he's joining a playoff team, 
that's a guy that's a guy that can make you a lot better. I mean, right off the bat there, if, if he's filling a, a, you know, an offensive role for you coming off the bench, I mean, that's so many teams need that. So many teams need that. It feels wow, like it's going to be <laughs> – I had to throw that out there. Uh, it feels like it's going to be this guy here, Mills. Just, you know, I, I wouldn't have overrated the Udoka thing as much if he didn't have assistance coming over at this point. So certainly you would think if he has the connections with some of these players and want to come to a winning situation for Chi. I know Jared Weiss has called this kind of the Jeff Teague. I don't want to put that on Mills. I don't want to do that to Mills here, but I think he's going to bring a little more to the table than Teague would. But yeah. It is kind of a very comparison. A guy like TJ McConnell, who we've kicked around a little bit, who I think is really the other option here if they have the full mid-level exception at their disposal, um, would be more impactful all around. This is a guy who led the NBA in steals last year, a high-level assist issue. He had a 17-assist game last year, someone who can connect the dots a little bit more here. He doesn't have the scoring and shooting burst that Mills does here. So you almost wish you could combine these guys into one player get the best of both worlds here, yeah, but get a, get they're, probably gonna have to, they're probably going to have to pick and choose between one of these guys. Yeah, and I think McConnell fills that distributor role, but again, are you using, if you're using him, you know, if you're using him in a role player position, again, like you have the Peyton Pritchard factor too, so I don't know. I mean, there's, there's no right answer, but I think what McConnell does is what this Celtics team needs more than what Patty Mills does, even though they do need scoring. You don't know what's going on with Fournier and, and all this other stuff, so I mean, points got to come from somewhere, and this Celtics bench from last season certainly was not, uh, you know, gangbusters coming off the bench and, and you know, hitting, hitting, you know, scoring 20 in your face. Um, so it, it's tough, like you said, Bobby. I mean, they, they both – both things they do, they do very well, but they don't do much of the other thing. What do you, what right. do you think and the market will be for McConnell, Sherrod? I think it'll be pretty robust. I mean, because he's, he's a guy that's in that – what I consider that sweet spot in terms of experience – and just kind of knowing what you're getting, you know, he's not going to be a guy that will be in your starting lineup and you're competing for a championship. That's not, he's not that type of player. But right. if you're looking for someone to come off your bench to give you solid minutes, not spectacular, but solid minutes as a facilitator uh, and somewhat adequate defender, someone who is not who's going to make more positive moments, have more positive moments than negative ones. He's a good fit now. It always comes back to price. Is this guy a full mid-level value guy? Is this someone that you can get for less than that? Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure what his value is because gotta be the things that he does. Well, the things that he does well are not necessarily things that teams covet, like playmaking, which all teams talk about. We need guys who can make plays. We need, but then you don't want to pay for it because right. he's only five foot ten or or maybe six feet or something ridiculously low like that in terms of his physical size. So teams don't want to pay for guys with that particular skill set. But McConnell, again, I, I think for him and what we're talking about, we're not talking about the Celtics adding the guy with the most talent. We're talking about them adding the guy that's the best fit. And McConnell, I think from a money standpoint, from a talent standpoint, from a fitting standpoint, he makes a lot more sense than Patty Mills, who I think Patty Mills is a better scorer, obviously. Sure. I think Patty is a – he's very good at that. But if you're talking about all the different elements and aspects that you need to be – as a basketball player, I give McConnell the slight edge over a guy like Patty Mills. Yeah, it's just right. whether or not you want to hard cap yourself with a signing like that. I mean, if you cross no. that $6 million line, you're really stuck from a team building perspective. And it's probably not worth doing that to sign a guy like McConnell. Like you said, he's not going to swing 
the roster one way or another, but he does he does address that biggest need here. And there's still that question here of whether Marcus Smart comes back into the fold and we've been kicking that around forever here. Uh, you know, when's what, what's going to finally be his last day with the Celtics? Is he just going to be here forever? Are they going to extend him? And he'll be here till 2026. That's an option this off season. I'm excited to see him get the reins. I have another piece coming up the Celtics blog tomorrow about this. I'm excited to see him get a chance to be the everyday point guard on this team. Cause I think he has it in him. You know, he's a great passer. I love his vision. You look at his stats in terms of spreading the ball out and what guys shoot when he passes to them. It's pretty strong last year. I'll actually pull those up in a minute here. But um, I'm okay with him being the starting point guard last year. I know that was an aspect of Gary Washburn's piece, and we can get into that a little bit here too. You know, things Tatum said about the team and, you know, his reaction to Udoka, different stuff that he got into with Washburn out there. Uh, it feels like Washburn has a good sense that, Smart will be back with this team next year. And I don't think that's a huge surprise because I don't, I know my dreams, Kyle Lowry ultimately, but I don't think there'll be anything like that out there this off season. <laughs> well, the, the thing that Marcus Smart, I, I think reminds me of, and, and there, there's a few guys in the league like this, the value that they have for the team they're with is greater than their value for any other team out there. Marcus Smart is exactly what the Celtics need. He's exactly what fits in well with them going forward. The the biggest problem that we notice with this team is that they don't have an a a they don't augment his game with a playmaker, a legitimate playmaker. Peyton Pritchard has shown signs of that. Uh, my one disappointment was that Peyton didn't get didn't get a chance to play more when Kimba was out. I thought that was a huge missed opportunity for the Celtics to develop a guy that they could maybe make a, a judgment sooner rather than later on as to whether he can be a playmaker for your team, which is something that you, you don't know. Need. Maybe we'll learn a little more in summer league, but you really don't know with the full team after last right. year somehow. Right. right. And then and then you and when you speak of summer league, you know, the guy that everyone is gonna be watching is Yamadar to uh, see what he's gonna do. Drink. Yes, Jimmy. Everybody drink. We got our <laughs> well, first Yamadar reference of the show. Exactly. Exactly. Yamadar, Yamadar, Yam. Keep it up, Jimmy. Go on. Is it Yam or Yam? Somebody somebody corrected me. I, think I let us I let us roll with Yam for a full show, but it's Yam. It's probably it's Yam. Yam. Is it Yam? I, I think I'm just gonna I kinda like yam like he's slam. a basketball go player how are you not gonna go with yeah i mean uh, uh, you're yeah, not gonna exactly. mispronounce a guy's name but exactly yam yeah. would be a yeah. great no name no disrespect <laughs> but yam is just awesome yes um, bad news on yam he might have to they might have to buy out his contract there or something there was some sort of article in hebrew i couldn't decipher it completely but <laughs> i guess he's kind of locked into that contract out there before we jump into him i just want to follow up to sherrod's points and i i, I agree with a on lot smart of yeah, I agree with a lot of what Sherrod said. I think I think Smart is the best point guard that they could probably acquire going into next season without, you know, something crazy drastic yeah. happening. However, that being said, I think that he's going to need to going to need to adjust his game just a bit. And what I mean by that is he needs to focus on being the distributor, being that pass passer that we've seen in flashes and we know how good of a passer he can be. But we also know that he can be kind of silly at times with the ball and, and do some stupid do some stupid things out there, get too aggressive, run into traffic, turn the ball over, take fast shots and hurried shots and transition. And he needs to really work on that if he if he can reach that potential of being the best point guard that the Celtics could could acquire. And and honestly, if he's cool with that role and cool with being that defense and distributor guy, then yeah, he's 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 literally exactly what the Celtics team needs. They need a guy who can 
play solid defense and who can get the ball to Tatum and Brown and to Rob Williams, you know, all, you know, if you can do those three things, you're going to be, you know, five to six wins better just on that alone, just from playing your role better. But the, you know, eight three pointers and, you know, six turnovers, like those types of games, those can't happen because that's not winning. That's not a win, winning formula, you know, absolutely not. So if he can work on that, if he's cool with that role, and, and the other thing is that I left out, Tatum and Brown also need, you know, to be fair, they need to, they need to give him the respect that, he, that he's earned and that he deserves. They need, they need to all sort of respect each other and play into each other's strengths. They, they can't get into hero mode. Right, but that's a lot easier said than done with those guys because they because they all feel the as risk. though they can put the team on their back and carry them. The thing about Smart, I think this year that we're going to see more than than we've seen in past years is I think he's going to get back to doing the things that have kind of established his role, his niche, the the value that he has set throughout this league because it's a contract year, and Marcus Smart doesn't have to put up x number of stats to really increase his value what he has to do is he has to set a defensive tone and those guys have to follow i to me that didn't happen enough last year i thought marcus smart had moments where his defense was on a level and the rest of the guys were about five six seven levels behind him and there was and you didn't feel as though that they were trying to make an effort to catch up with him and if you're marcus smart and you know you're a great defender and you've proven that time and time again and you look around and Nothing but crickets when you talk about, hey, guys, let's D up. And it's like. Can't do it yourself. No one can't put. Yeah, yeah you, you can't. And, and so I, to me, I, I think this season is going to be a year of redemption for all of those guys. I think they're going to, you know, Marcus, I think he will have an opportunity to lead this team and hopefully have guys who will follow that lead. You can still follow Marcus's lead and still be an elite player if you're Jason Tatum, if you're Jalen Brown. But you've got to play better team as a collective and not go into hero ball and thinking that you can put the team on your back by yourself and get it done. Cause we've seen that movie and it sucks. It, it, it sucks. It's a horror. It's a horror movie. And I hate horror movies. The good news. Oh, Jimmy, smart. Don't be scared. I hate, I listen, give me a nice rom-com. Give me, you know, give me, a, give me an action thriller, but I'm cool without, you know, Chucky and, and all that stuff. <laughs> That's a good name Chucky. for Marcus Smart. Chucky. When he's chucking threes, we're going to call you don't want Marcus Smart to go into Chucky mode. That's what I'm saying right there. I'm not trying to watch Saw or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. I'm not trying to watch Saw, man. I'm not trying I, to watch Saw. So there's three good things going for Smart here. Last year, he actually played point guard about 50% of the time just because of how much Walker was out. You know, Walker barely played last year, so he was pretty much in this role last year. Bad news on that end is you saw last year win in that regard. He didn't raise their ceiling all that much, but he had a lot of good excuses with him. He went through that major injury. Um, mm. It took him a little while to get his legs back under him. And frankly, I don't think they had all that time to set roles and, and do the different kind of things they want to do in practice in terms of just establishing there was a lot how they want to play wrong. last year. A lot yeah. wrong last year. It's hard to just – again, you can't, you can't look at a player and, and base it on – on just last year because that was just such a disaster. Yeah, and, you so know, you've kicked us around, Jimmy. Like, you know, can you run this team back? You, you still don't necessarily know, I think, based off last year, what that team would have been capable of if they had everything intact here. Now, obviously, your upside's limited because you can't factor in Walker being part of the fully healthy cast here. And, you know, even if Horford plays his role great, I don't think he's necessarily a ceiling raiser. But here are the things I love about Smart going about into Horford. the next year. Good piece to have going into the next year. Most assists of his career per game last year. Most drives of, of his career last year. Got to the free throw line more than ever before. 
uh, obviously kind of had a regression in terms of shooting, but he shot less overall. I feel like mm-hmm. overall, especially early in the season, he committed to a more restrained approach and focused on getting guys the ball all over the place. I thought he managed that double big lineup well early on, the best he could. And if you look at the lineups last year, they played at least 19 minutes with Smart at point guard, that double big lineup and you know, a weird Jeff Teague lineup out of like eight or so were the only ones that were negative. You know, you put them out there with Tyson Ogilvy, they were plus six. You put them out there with Grant Thompson, they were plus 30. Robin Grant, plus 50. I, they put out some good lineups out there last year with him at the point. And honestly, here's my last memory of last year. No one's going to remember this, but he was really good in that net series once Kemba went down. You know, 23 in that game three, I think it was, when Tatum scored mm-hmm. 50. 10 of assists. Uh, I thought he commanded the point well in that series. Yeah. I mean, it, it's the, the bottom line is that he just has to establish his role play that role and the guys around him have to react to that and respond to that appropriately and, and, and consistently. And, and that to me is, is again, that's, that's a great point. You know, Cause he, here's my worry. If they don't extend him and he goes into the year with his contract being a thing, don't you think that undermines him in the room a little bit? It makes it a little more. Yeah. I do think it complicates things a little bit because you know, when that contract doesn't get extended, it raises questions that if you're Marcus Smart in the Celtics, you don't want to be asked, but they have to. You know, how is this going to impact his ability to lead? Because I don't think right. he will do anything that would jeopardize that leadership. It really becomes more about how are the guys responding and reacting to his leadership? Because uh, I think he's still going to play hard. He's still going to do all the Marcus Smart type things out there. But is that going to be enough for those guys in that locker room to listen to him, to follow his lead, to do the things that he has done well at a high level for years when they know there's a chance that he may not be here, you know, at the end of the season? Um, those are some of the issues that I know that it's, again, I, I I think Marcus is going to be fine and he's going to do what he needs to do, but I'm not sold that the guys around him are going to do what they need to do in how they respond, respect, and have the consistency as players based upon what he brings to the table. Because right. he's a big part of what they're going to do next year. There's no getting around that. Their, their defense suck. He's your best defender. How's, here's, a, here's a radical thought. How about following what he does defensively and incorporate that into your game? That's kind of how this stuff typically works. That's kind of how it's worked in the past. Having Al Horford back, I think, is a huge benefit in yep. that regard. But, uh, again, you still don't know how these guys are going to handle you know, Marcus being in this role where he may or may not be there the following season. Well, I mean, he's not the first player to play on a, on the final year of his deal. I, no. I would hope, I would hope that these guys can look past that and focus on this season because the bottom line is, you know, when you have, you know, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, now you have Al Horford, Marcus Smart, a couple other guys tossed in there. Maybe you're getting some improve, improvements from, you know, Neesmith and whoever take your pick, but it's not, a, it's not a team that should should just consider this a, a bridge year or a crappy year. Right. Like the, the, These guys should be able to compete with the, with the majority of the teams in the East. I mean, the Sixers could be worse next year if they lose Simmons and they don't get equal value or whatever, wherever they get back. Like Theoretically, they should they could possibly be worse. We don't know what's up with Embiid. Um, no, the you know, Celtics should be in the mix. The East year. is wide open. The Celtics should be in the, in the mix. So yeah. all this stuff about, like, oh, we're not going to listen to you because you might not be in the team next year. Well, 
who the hell knows who's going to be in the team next year? Aside from Jason Tatum, I mean, obviously Jalen Brown's right up there with him, but it's stupid to predict. I mean, the team could look completely different in two seasons. So just play your game. And listen, they don't need to be best friends, but they do need to respect each other, and they do need to trust each other on the court. They can't play with attitudes or egos and all this stuff. They need to put all those aside when you get when you get out there on the court. Marcus Smart's talented enough to put these guys in the right positions, and he's obviously talented enough to do his thing on the defensive end. He's you know first team all defense player, so they you're right, Sherrod. They they need to buy in a little bit to what he's doing, and at the same time, Marcus Smart, if if he is going to earn this point guard role, his duties need to be clear. Your job is to get these guys the ball where they need to get the ball. And yeah, if you have a lane, go for it, you know, but that that's not option number one for you. Like that, like that's option four. Right. Uh, yeah, and there's still nothing on Tatum out there. I'm keeping an eye on that. Crazy breaking news. Kawhi Leonard had surgery for a partially torn ACL. Ah. That would explain a lot. That's no good. That explains a lot. Yeah. Uh, never heard. I had never heard of an ACL injury that, you know, didn't require surgery or wasn't some level of a tear there. Um, so well, they have hyperextended knee and injuries and things like that. But the way they described it, though, ACL injury. I mean, I still don't know the kind of stuff that they were trying to play there. Um, you know, you always have teams yeah, just sending out for. mixed signals on injuries, especially in the playoff series. You know, is a guy going to play tonight? Is he not? I think teams do that a lot. But it was always weird to me that an ACL injury. Um, was played in a way that he could have possibly returned because now surgery is going to knock him out at least for part of next season. And there's a guy that can become a free agent opting out this year. So you might have the Clippers in a situation here where they kind of have to do that KD thing and eat part of that first year just to keep him long term. Um, and this Ooh. is tough for a guy who already was starting to deteriorate a little bit in his lower body. Had to take a lot of load management days since 2017 with that injury against Zaza. And, you know, was always kind of a guy that was dealing with something in terms of his mm. lower body. So this isn't going to help. No, this no. is just another chapter in the narrative of who Kawhi Leonard is. An incredibly talented player, a champion, and forget just multiple teams, freaking multiple countries. He's won an NBA championship. <laughs> Toronto. And, exactly. Shout out to T-Dot. So the, the fact that he's in a situation now where you're, as you pointed out, Bobby, someone is going to eat, eat, eat a lot of that, a big chunk of that salary and get literally nothing in return. Uh, this is a bad Classic situation. For, it, it's, it's, it's really is. It really is. I mean, and, and you know, Part of you feels bad for Kawhi, uh, who, who, let's be honest and real, he is the, like, you know, when they go back in history and they look at load management and they're looking for, like, you know, just kind of the genesis of it, you're probably going to have a picture of Kawhi Leonard not smiling as, sure. like, the, you know, the face of load management historically. And what, we're, what we found out with the Clippers is that load management, while in theory sounds good, it doesn't always work. In fact, we saw that in Boston where load management did not work. The whole point of load management is for guys to be ready to rock and roll come playoff time. Mm-hmm. When did when did Kawhi really pull his biggest MIA act in, in L.A.? Playoff time. When did Kevin Walker, who played in no back-to-backs all season, when was his absence most notably you know, noticeable? Right. Playoffs. It's so, just well, – it's just- it's it's almost like it's just so hard to tell with the knee because I mean you can just come yeah. down funny and like it doesn't matter how much load management you had like it's 
you know, the I'm still call. scared after watching that Giannis play. <laughs> I back, can't believe Giannis back is scoring playing. 40 points. <laughs> yeah, I mean, after that, I was like, oh god, we just lost, we just lost another superstar now to this. Oh uh, yeah, this that would have been the worst of the worst. But you're right, Charlie. Yeah, I, mean, I mean, it doesn't matter what you do sometimes. Yeah, I mean, look at Sarge in, in Phoenix. I mean, you go back and you look at the play that that he suffered his injury. It didn't look that bad. It just looked like he just kind of came down a little bit awkward and. You know he'll be fine. Throw some ice on that, and, he'll, and but then right, you the see him limping game, back. Yeah, yeah you so, see him limping back to the locker room. It's like, oh, this is like kind of serious. This is like a big deal. So, question. So now, so now Kawhi picks up his player option. I mean, I don't. Did Bobby? Did the report say like what? What? How much time he's expected to miss? Our Twitter. John loves our Twitter doctors. Yeah, I know. Spencer Dinwiddie last year, similar injury, seven months. Oof. They do a full reconstruction even for a partial tear. So there's a good chance Kawhi's out for all of next season or most of next season. And then be, and then becomes a free agent, correct? Yeah, so he's got a player option this summer. So right. he could opt out. And Which is sign, an insurance plan. And sign a max deal, I'd say. I don't think he'll opt into that player option. Oh, you option. don't think I he'll think, just opt into it? No, I, no. Think, I think this guy's a superstar. He's got the Clippers. He's I mean, do the he's, Durant thing? he's basically the co-owner of the Clippers here. We saw what he was able to do with Paul George. So he'll opt out, and he'll get a max deal, and he'll get paid not to play this year. <laughs> so, he's, yeah, he's going to pull a Durant. He's going to pull a Durant. But, okay, yeah. so. so. Yeah. Oh, man, the Clippers are screwed this year. <laughs> they have no flexibility. Paul George running the show. Credit Paul George. He did a good job in the playoffs there, but. The West is loaded. They're gonna have a tough time competing. And can Reggie Jackson be Mister? You know, November, December, too. January, February. Jackson's I mean, right. agent too, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I mean, and you know, this is a guy that you know not that long ago was thinking about calling it quits, and now it's like, you know, he's the he, he's going to get paid uh, well uh, because he showed up in the biggest games that matter. And that's the playoffs. They go after Kemba now, maybe the Clippers. They need some scoring. Or good point. That's always yeah. been a thing I felt like, yeah. yeah and they have some guys to dump there, yeah. You'd rather have a Kemba than a Beverly if Kawhi's out. So that's yeah. probably yeah. A, a, a trade that works there. Yeah, good good call, Jimmy. I think we'll see and that. And you know too. all you got to do if you're the Clippers and you're working with Sam Presti, sweeten it with a draft pick. Do we, do we, a, do we know for sure? Wait that, a second. We already that, have all those picks. Do we, do we know for sure that Kemba's even on the Thunder? I haven't heard a peep out of him or the, or the organization since the trade happened. The payroll, yes. He is on their payroll. Yeah, he's on their payroll. Now, he, yeah. He's yeah, there in now we'll Exactly. And, Has Kemba stepped foot in the state of Oklahoma yet? Yeah, I, I don't. I don't know if we'll, we'll ever get a Kemba Walker introductory press conference in Oklahoma City. I'm not. I'm not so sure yet. And I think that's okay. I mean, as long as you – this is the thing about players that I, I've come to understand. They are less bothered by being put in crappy situations than they are not knowing this, the crappy situation in advance. For Kimball Walker, Oklahoma City is not where you want to be. But if, let's say, they're telling you up front that, you know, we're going to be looking to move you, so no need to come to OKC – you're good. Do your off-season rehab and all that stuff, and we'll see what we can get done. Yeah, that is all players want. But if you make that trade and you say, "Oh, Kimba, we think you're going to be part of our future. We love you. You know, let's let's go and find you a place to stay." All while you're thinking, "How can I Hell flip no. him and get me a first-round pick? <laughs> How can I flip him and get me maybe multiple picks?" Right, right, right. That's the stuff that gets players upset because there are we, we there are timelines when it's yeah it, there are timelines when it's clear that organizations are looking to move you, even though everything they're saying is, we're not trying to do that. Uh, I mean, look at the Ben Simmons stuff. I mean, come on. They have been, look, they have been 
open to moving him for well before he decided to pass on a wide open dunk and pass the ball to a guy that was carved way before that. Uh, and and it, it's understandable because even if he were playing great, you still should have a sense of what all your players are worth throughout the league. That to me, that's just being a good conscious GM, understanding your value, understanding the value of your talent. So Ben Simmons, I, th- I think he's going to stay in Philly, but they are going to kick the tires around without question and see if they can get something. I, I'll ask you this. And we're not going to do that whole Brown sure, right. I'm, I'm Brad again. St- I'm Brad Go ahead, Jimmy. I'm Brad Stevens. I, I'm picking up the phone. I, I'm, I'm calling Philly. Are you? I, I'm like, hey, you know, we're interested in Ben Simmons or, you know, what, what, what are you guys asking for? Who are you asking for for the Celtics? Well, if – wait – you, you want to know what the Celtics are are, are going no, I want to want? know the Celtics are going to say, hey, we heard your yeah. we heard your shopping, we heard your listening offers, you know. Well, if you're the What's Sixers, you want Jalen Brown. And if you're the you Celtics, want do, you hang, Brown. Do, do you hang up immediately if you're the Celtics? If it were me, yeah, yeah, that's a non-starter for me. You you no, if, John, if, the me, up this time, Jimmy. <laughs> hey, I, I never said I would do it. I'm here's, just, here's least, my thing. Would you would you at least? Would you at least have a conversation, or would you just hang up a meeting? I would absolutely have a conversation. Um, but okay. if they, but you. listen, but listen, if they're saying, "Yeah, we want uh, Jalen, and we'll give you Ben Simmons," and then there's that awkward pause, then I'm going to say, "Oh, wait a minute, I'm sorry. I think we got disconnected for a second. <laughs> the only thing I heard you say was Ben Simmons. Right. I didn't hear anything after that. And if they're if like, you- "Well, that's pretty much all we're willing to offer," then I'm like, "Well, listen." Thanks for calling, man. I appreciate it. Next time I'm in Philly, we can get some cheesesteaks. We can kick it. <laughs> Have a nice day. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm. And we're done. Yeah. So who do, you think, who do you think the Sixers can get for them if they are shopping them? I mean, I really I know, do I'm not, think, I, 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 I don't expect you to have a name ready. I'm just wondering, no, but, like, do you well, think I, they I, can I, get I, anything I, for them? I think the ceiling for them is a guy like CJ McCollum. Yeah, I think that's the ceiling. That's That's a guy that has a very clear all-star caliber skill set, a player that has a contract that while you're not crazy about, you're giving away a contract that the team that is inheriting a non-shooting all-star starter, Mm -hmm. they're not crazy about that dynamic. And each of those players has a clear and undeniable weakness. Ben Simmons won't shoot. CJ McCollum (laughs) can't defend. Okay. Right, right. You know what else makes sense to me? What? They've wanted Kyle Lowry for a while. Yeah. Why not just flip that? Sign and trade. Toronto, kind of a low-key place for Simmons to go. Great developmental situation. I, I threw that at my Raptors people last week. They didn't love it. And, you know, I don't think anyone loves the idea of Simmons right well, now. Well, nobody wants team, Ben Simmons. Listen, would the Sixers love the idea of Lowry either? I mean, you're getting an aging point guard, another guy that's, you know, bang, been banged up, going to put him next to a guy like Embiid who's been banged up and – I don't know. I mean, listen, I, I love Lowry. I just don't know if that's the guy that I'm trying to get in return for, you know, somebody who at one point was considered, a, you know, a cornerstone cornerstone piece here. No, you got to do better than that. Yeah. You, you got to get, get better than I that. I just don't I mean, think you can bring Simmons back, though. I know they've kind of postured like they would, but, I mean, we're at three years running now of saying that Simmons and Embiid just can't work. And you've had Embiid overcompensating for him all this time. And mm-hmm. I think it's just got to end. You know, if you have a facilitator who can shoot like Lowry and defend a little bit, and that's the best you can do here, I think you just have to do it because you're close enough on the rest of the roster to contend. And the only reason you didn't beat the Hawks is because this guy completely melted down. And basically, in my mind, quit. The way he approached the game in these fourth quarters, he quit on this team. There's no way they can bring him back. 
And this was one of the few times I've ever seen the best player and the head coach both throw a particular player under the bus. Doc Rivers in that postgame uh, press conference made it pretty damn clear that, you know, we're you know, things are ending and basically Doc, Doc you know, had to duck for cover though. I mean, Doc had no choice but to but to take that ball and pass that he play did. immediately. He like, did. Listen, I'm fine with Embiid in that circumstance. <laughs> I, I am too, and, and and that's the and that's the to me that's the, the dilemma that the Sixers are in because you know you've asked people to trust the process and the process didn't work. The process has gotten you what to the second round of the playoffs? Are you kidding me? You took all those ass whippings for years, and all you got to show for it is a second round presence. And are you, you kidding? But but you want me to believe that the process works? You want me to believe that? I should trust the process and teams should seriously think about tanking because you can get a lot of really good players and they can be really good and you're going to win a lot of games. Well, it doesn't matter if you win a lot of games. What do you do in the playoffs? I'd much rather have a team that barely gets into the playoffs that kicks ass in the postseason than a team that wins 55, 60 games every year and then they get absolutely trounced when it matters. But you know what? They're not the first team to, you know, tank and all that stuff. They just they just got more publicity for it because of the process. I mean, the Suns did something similar. I don't know how much of it was on purpose, but, I mean, they had to suck for a good amount of time to put the roster together that they had. So there is value to going that route. It's just – it's risky. I mean, this, the Suns didn't make the playoffs last year, and now look at them now. But because they got the right piece in Chris Paul to take them to that next step. So you can't just – trust the process and then expect all the guys you drafted to just fit together. You still have to bring in outside forces. So that that's where they kind of fell off there in Philly. But the other thing I'll say about this is why, why Simmons probably has to go is because now the fans turned on him. I mean, who has his back he, at this point, you know, and Philly, no they, they can get ugly. The Philly fans can get ugly quickly. And if, you yeah. know, if, if he comes back for, for game one and, you know, it's a lot more of the same, they're going to be on him so fast that, it's going to make his head spin. He won't, he won't even want to take the court, never mind take a shot. And I, I mean, if they make the decision to bring him back, I think you, you have to have a conversation with him and just let him know that from day one, you want a clock. You, right. you are living on borrowed time by being here right now because the way uh, you performed in the playoffs, the way you have just absolutely basically flashed the middle finger to the organization that kept telling you you need to become – a, a willing shooter. You don't have to be a great shooter. You don't have to be a guy that takes 25 shots. You just have to be willing to take the shots. an he open shot. He wouldn't take an open dunk. He, he wouldn't take it. And, and, and that, to me, that was a crossroads moment for, for Sixers fans when they realized, we can't support this. Shoot we can support it. the process. <laughs> We're not even asking you to take a shot that might. And, and to me, what made it so bad was when he was asked about it afterwards, he admitted that he, he was truthful. I thought I was going to get fouled. Mm-hmm. You'd be to tell me that you are so damn scared of getting fouled that you won't even take an open dunk. And I know if you're Doc Rivers, it's a good thing that we can't hear exactly what these coaches are saying or thinking in certain moments because I guarantee you at that moment, Doc mentally in that moment was done with Ben. <laughs> In that moment. Now, obviously, afterwards, I had a chance to reflect and think, okay, I can't really feel that way because if we wanted to trade him, I can't feel that way publicly. (laughs) But damn, open dunk. An open freaking dunk. But you're thinking about the guy who's behind you who might follow you. I don't think Doc's Inexcusable. Yeah, I don't think he's he's ever coached a player 
that no. he's had to deal with that. I mean, Ron, Rondo, it's been the opposite. Rondo didn't shoot a whole lot in the beginning of his career, but he shoots. He, he shot a hell of a lot more, you know, the second half of his career. But he was playoff uh, was, Rondo, right? And Doc was never begging Rondo to shoot. I mean, he had all these other guys. <laughs> it was a different game back then, too. Yeah, though. it was a different right. game as well. But well, and, and and Doc had other guys who could make shots. Right. Uh, Philly has Embiid and sometimes Doc's brother, Doc's son-in-law, and that's pretty much it. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, he had um. Seth Curry, Danny Green. No, who the better cast in? last year be supportive of Who did they just bring in last year that played awesome? Seth Curry. No. Yeah. No. Small forward. Um, they have played, Harris, who's pretty good this year. Tobias, Tobias. Harris. Yeah, Tobias Harris. Tobias, yeah, Tobias has been there for a while, though. Oh, yeah. Not, not that long. He's been like three years. Yeah. I thought it was like two years. He's well, signed that max deal. They cap themselves he... out with a weird array of guys, but... Yeah, we want to check on Sharad's take on this thing. We did a ton of this last week. We're not going to let Green Room dominate today, but we are doing a Green Room after this. I got one more thing I want to hit on before we get out of there, but just want to let everybody know ahead of time that if you got off-season questions, if you got uh, any leftover Olympic thoughts heading into that tournament, really anything, we're just free, free, free reign for the list. Free ball in it. Yeah, <laughs> we call it free looking- ball. <laughs> I'm looking for uh, John's banner here, but you know the deal. Green room will be over there. You can hop in the room right after this. We'll probably get open uh, pretty soon. But before yeah. we do that, I do want to get Sherrod's thought on John's master plan. And he yes. he said oh, it boy. in stone last week. And this goes back to what we were talking about with Smart. You bring back Smart on that expiring contract. You let him have reign over that position next year. You let Fournier go. You have a partially guaranteed deal in Horford. All of a sudden, you're looking at the different steps open here to open another max contract slot um, and possibly pursue Bradley Beal if he declines his player option next offseason. You have Bradley Beal opening this Olympic training camp saying, yeah, players are going to talk. There's going to be some of that tampering behind the scenes here going on. He didn't say it was going to be him, but it might be going on. So I think people are reasonably... I think John's reasonably excited about the prospect here that the Celtics, the surest way that they could get back to contention is clearing the books here, signing Bradley Beal, and figuring it out. Get your Mario Chalmers Listen. and your Zadrunas Ilgauskas alongside those big three. Right. Listen. There you go. As much as Team USA, i love for them to win a gold medal. That is not what I'm here for. <laughs> I'm here for Tatum. The recruiter, not Tatum the baller. I'm here for Tatum the recruiter to, mm-hmm. to set the table. It doesn't have to be guys coming in this year. It could be guys coming in two years from now, three years from now. I don't care. Set the table to get you some guys in here who can play at or close to the level that you're at so that you can be a title contender. That, to me, is what this whole Olympic experience for Jason Tatum should be about. I like the fact that he's got a little bit of soreness that might force him to just kind of sit back and watch and not necessarily play. <laughs> because the there, may, there, may be some, there may be some things that he's seeing out of guys that he doesn't really get see or notice when he's playing against them or, or preparing right. to play against them. I look at a guy like Bam Adebayo. I don't know if, how they would ever get him out of Miami, but damn, I damn sure would like to see them try. I would not have an issue with them trying. Uh, <laughs> right. And, and, and that you just don't want is, the opposite to happen. You just don't want, the, you well, don't want these well, guys to recruit Tatum to, to one listen, of their teams. No disrespect to Bill. No disrespect to Washington. But the right. idea of Tatum being open to the process of playing for the Izzards because there are no W's in Washington right now. It is about being an Izzard. The lizard. I just don't. 
I just don't see him being moved in that direction. Now, yeah, are there some other players? Long. Yeah, and no, uh, are there yeah, some other teams that. that might have some interest in him going there to their spots? Yeah, and if you're Tatum, you want to listen to everybody and what they got to say because your mindset is, I have to do this in order for them to listen to what I have to say in order for them to understand why they should rock with me. It's not like Celtics are an organization that hasn't shown the ability to elevate their the organization in terms of deep playoff run in a short amount of time. They've done that. You got a guy like Udoka who is is with you every single day this summer. You better believe there's a conversation that those guys are having every single day about team building, about staying in shape, about his role next year, about just – the way he goes about doing his thing on the floor. Yudoka is going to have the benefit of knowing his star player better than most first-time coaches will know their star players having never coached him before. That I think we're going to see them two being on and have a certain level of connectivity from day one. That's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, and But when you look at the genesis of that, it's going to be right now with Team USA. And with that connection, others – are going to see that connection. And they're maybe asking some questions. And then Tatum, again, Tatum the pitch man has to be better than Tatum the leader of Team USA. Yeah, I don't t- care if he scores two points a game. Get Bradley Bill on the hook for two years. Get Bam out of bio to start thinking about what, what am I going to do when my, next, when my current contract is up? Where is Boston somewhere I want to go? Gets up there, yeah. if, if, if Tatum convinces Bam out of bio to leave South Beach and come to Boston, then he can convince anybody <laughs> in the world. Greatest recruiter of all time. Yeah, best recruiter of all time. I'm... So, I, 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 listen, I love that thought. I, I'm just not going to hold my breath. But Oh, Tatum do, do not Beal, hold your Tatum... breath, Jimmy, because I want you to live, so do not hold your breath on that one. <laughs> the, Tatum-Beal, the Tatum-Beal connection is very real. To a lesser extent, you know, Beal, Beal being coached by Udoka, you know, this – I could – maybe he, you know, likes the way he coaches her. They have – some nice conversations, not about, you know, coming to Boston, but just whatever, whatever it is, you know, conversations that they have going on over there. Maybe he takes a liking to the coach. I mean, that's important too. So it's all good things. Um, but there is that very real possibility just based on the way the friendship is lined up, the way the, the contracts are lined up where Beal is, you know, I think what John said last year, it's like, this is pretty much their only chance to play together if they ever wanted to, right? Because of the way the con- you know, Beal will be free agent, he'll lock into a max deal, and he'll be wherever the hell he get he signs with, and it doesn't really line up for the for these two guys after that. So this is a real opportunity if it's something that, that they had laughed about, you know, growing up or as kids. And then the second thing, the second thing of that would be the other aspect of not making big moves this off season and what. I think John said, and what we kind of agreed with was, you find out one way or the other if the guys you have are worth keeping around. Those young so, guys yeah. that John loves, <laughs> right? So it could go, it could go really badly, or you might find out that Neesmith can play, that Romeo actually can play if he's healthy, and that you know Rob's a guy that they absolutely have to find a way to hang on to. You might learn all those things this year by giving them a bigger role. So you know you're not really saying it's it's not a you know a you know, it is a bridge year, but it's not like a. it doesn't at least have to be like the worst possible year. On the contrary, if they all end up sucking and they can play, then you're really struggling and, and you hope that you don't frustrate Tatum and Brown even more so than they were this year. And then maybe Beal's like, damn, you guys suck. I don't even want to play in Boston. And, you know, it could go south very quickly. Uh, but yeah. it, is it worth that risk? I mean, I, I think it probably 
is worth that risk. I mean, if you know that you need a third star to come in here anyways, why not take that risk? Because otherwise, you're just going to put yourself – you're going to handcuff yourself. You're going to sign a guy like Fournier, sign a guy like Smart, and now you can't do anything? This is what I've said all along. You need Tatum to come back from these Olympics. And this is what worries me about this. Tatum's – we've seen again and again, Tatum's largely a hands-off guy. Now, maybe it's different behind the scenes and he's actually working things out with Beal here and having these conversations. But on the outside, it looks like Tatum's a pretty hands-off guy when it comes to how he sure. views this coaching decision – personnel moves on the Celtics, his role, other people's role. He just doesn't get all that involved on things. So is he even having this conversation with Beal? I'm not I'm not hunting on this offseason unless Tatum comes back and you have some sense that Beal would at least think about opting out of that deal next year and going to Boston. Because if you're passing up on other opportunities now, I think that's very dangerous. And you could end up in a spot where you have a fifth free agent in a row, walk for nothing in Fournier. And then next year, have a sixth free agent in a row walk for nothing, and Marcus Smart. Uh, so I'm not thrilled about this plan. I, like, I'm just not certain. You're not going to put Fournier in the same category as Kyrie and Horford and Hayward, are you? I mean, no, yeah, but I mean, it's, it's just another guy that leaves for nothing. Yeah, okay, but the, yeah, the but difference, you, but, the difference you, would be they cho- they they wanted it that way. The difference would be the right. Celtics were like, "See you later, thanks for." So is Beal? I mean, it's it's is to this me, something Beal would the consider same doing. I would put Fournier in the same category as Evan Turner, a guy that had options that what he was able to get money-wise was beyond what you're willing to pay. Yeah, uh, yeah I should say that. But at the, yeah, I mean, once once you start going in a different direction, I mean, obviously you have a different GM at this point. It is what it is. It's just kind of a yes. sunk cost, those second-rounders and – you know, right. hey, but going okay, back so, to Hayward, so TP, and you that kind of stuff. Just, you resign him just so you can say we didn't lose, we didn't lose it for nothing. But now you're stuck with a guy making eighteen million a year for the next three years, and nobody really wants him enough, at least for you to clear your cap. And now you're not a player for Beal, and you find out that Beal probably would have came to Boston. You know what I mean? Like, or maybe you piss off Tatum because now Tatum knows that it's not going to happen. You just need some level of confidence that you're going to be in play here, and. I'd imagine I, I, they'll find out some way to figure out that whether that's true or not. I would think that I would think that they would feel that they have a chance. I think I would, so too. How do you feel about that, Sharon? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely think that they feel that they'll be in the mix, but it, it really it just comes down to: do they want to go there? Yeah. Uh, do they feel that they can go there and still have some of that nimbleness from a cap standpoint that they're looking for? Obviously, they're not going to be as flexible as they'd want to be, but can you still make that move and still make another decent, adequate team building type decision slash move that's going to help you? Because, you know, I mean, as, as much as we talk about this being kind of like a bridge year, this team, they're still trying to put together something that's going to compete for a championship. Right. And they know they're not, they know they're not there, but they know that that's still, that's what separates cities like Boston and teams you like the Celtics. Yeah, everyone can others. feel good about it at least. Yeah. So, yeah. so Sherrod, that's that's a good point, and we 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 had texted about this earlier. Is that in order to create that cap space, you need to let Fournier go. You need to let Smart go. Correct, Bobby. Yeah. You need to let. You need to get rid of Horford. Yep. You and, need to cut him and right. eat that fourteen million or right. trade him somewhere. And, and and then you allow yourself to re-sign Rob. Is that? correct does that give you the space to do it because we want to make it clear at least me and john want to make it clear we want to make this deal happen without getting rid of rob yeah 
you you could potentially keep Rob. And luckily, I don't think Rob's going to be a guy in the next year or so who's going to break the bank in terms of his offers on the open market. Well, but when he makes the all-star team next season, he will. You could maintain. Damn, Jimmy. Jimmy with the scolding hot take there. Okay. <laughs> if he can stay healthy, who knows? I think. Oh, it, through the building. It, damn it. Well, listen, you can't, you can't make the all-star team on the bench. I think if you dumped Horford in fall next offseason, you would squeeze out enough space to hold on to Rob's restricted rights. So at that point, obviously, you'd be in a much more advantageous spot to keep him. Right. Um, smart. Which is worth it. Which I'm is worth smart, it, by the way. Yeah, it would be because you want a guy like that who can move the ball and protect the rim and do those different things with the wings. Because frankly, I think you're going to be weak on the boards with that kind of core and be weak in ball movement to some degree, depending on who your point guard is. Probably won't be smart. You know, Smart's going to have a $21 million cap hold. He'll probably have decent offers on the open market next offseason. And unless he really just wants to stay with this team and make minimum money, which I can't see, he's out of here in this scenario. I got I got yeah. yelled at for yelling at you for that take last week, so I'm gonna let you. That's I'm the let only on way. That. That's the only way. Because if Marcus Smart takes a scenario. takes a veteran minimum to <laughs> just to play in the Celtics, Gerard. With Beal, Tatum, and Brown, I yeah again he didn't get paid the way he wanted to last time, so I don't see it. Yeah, no, and, and he shouldn't. No. <laughs> Here's the thing. The, the thing about, about Marcus, and, and really this goes for all NBA players, I mean, you only get a, a certain window of time to maximize right. your earning potential. And if you're Marcus Smart, you need to make the most of that when, this, when, the, light, when, the, when the time to strike is there. And this is that time. So um, I hope he gets paid. I hope he gets, gets a big, big payday because he's put in the work to earn that right to do that. And anyone who suggests that he should stick around and make minimum wage just to play with a, you know, <laughs> minimum, minimum I mean, wage is different. That's seven twenty five. <laughs> he it's should all relative. Well, anyone who anyone who suggests he should make less than his fair market value just to, <laughs> to stick around, I think that's right. a problem. I, I think agree. that's a big problem. So and that goes for anything in life. You, you know, yeah. don't 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 discount yourself, man. You know. Exactly, I think Jimmy. A lot of teams on that open market more. would want smart too. So that's something they'll have to contend with there. You wouldn't have a lot of roster spots on that team to be filled by minimum guys. And you'd really, in my mind, be looking like that Miami Heat team. And I was looking at the roster again from that year Mike Bibby, uh, Chris Anderson, those types. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> that's the kind wow. of Celtics team you'd be looking at with this level of a big three here, along with those young guys. And that is the key, as John points out. Can Romeo get involved at a higher level this year? Neesmith certainly would have to become a starter on that yeah. kind of team or a near, you know, a six-man kind of guy. Um, and, you know, you'd have to find a stopgap center somehow. Luckily, next yeah. free agent class is pretty loaded. So maybe there would be a handful of guys that would play on a super team like this. But, again, I'd be concerned at how thin this team would be. Yeah, you got to get more bang out of those low-money rookie contract players if, if you're the Celtics as you put this thing together because that's really where the, the, the really good teams are at. Uh, they get more bang for the buck than most teams. That's right. what I mean, that's them. why it's so important to hit hit on a couple of these. I mean, again, you don't need to draft an all-star every year, but if you can draft a guy that you can actually keep for those four years on a rookie year deal, I mean, that's how you fill out the roster and, and make a move like this happen where you're like, okay, well, we're not like skeleton thin after you know our four our first four guys we at least have you know five six seven eight you know 
eight deep, you know, we can come off the bench here. Um, but that that's the important thing. And again, they don't have the draft pick this year, at least in the first round. So you're not expecting much, but our, maybe our, maybe our guy Yamadar can crack the rotation who, who knows, but they're going to have to find guys who want to play. Again, it goes back to guys who want veterans who want to come in and play with these players helps a ton too. If you look at the nets, you know, the players that they were able to acquire and ultimately it's all short due to injuries. But I mean, are you going to get to that level where there are going to be guys that are towards the end of their career that are looking for a championship or looking for some sort of role on a winning team? Cause that that's the only way you're going to get those, those deals that you're, that you're looking for smart to take is guys that are going to come in and take a one year deal and maybe, you know, take a little bit less than they would for, you know, the Orlando magics of the world or, or whatever. Yeah. There's a lot of risk with this route. At least it would give you a long-term window to get to that point though. You'd have a couple of years where different guys are being cast off. would probably keep uh, joining this, this team. Cause you know, you look at the nets last year, they lost, but they still have a situation there where guys are going to still want to join going forward. Oh, you'll, you'll probably have Blake Hopback on board. You'll probably have other veterans who are cast away. Who knows? Maybe Kevin Love breaks loose at some point and he wants to go there. You know, you're going to have different guys that want to do it over multiple years there. And you'd have a very long window with Theo Tatum and Brown um, on max deals. It's just I, I do think you need good role players and good glue guys to bring a team like that together. And I don't know if the young guys on this team are good enough to step into those kind of roles when it comes to that. So that's my only problem with that plan. It, thing is, here's the thing. You, you, what else are you going to do? Is, if you can get Beal, you get Beal and you figure out the you yeah. figure out the little pieces later. You yeah. don't you don't build the role players in first and then try to fit your superstar around them. You just For go sure. get the big guns and like you said, fill it out, you know, the you know, buyout season, you do what you can. Yeah. It's just hmm. Three scorers, three wing risky. guys. You know, the the burden of ball handling and playmaking is gonna be on them. Are they gonna defend at the highest level at that point? But again, you're right. Three stars, it's hard to pass that up. And again, I have some alternative ideas, but I don't know if they'll be available. So my Lowry plan and the Brogdon plan that you like and things like that, who knows if that's going to be possible this offseason or if those teams even want to move on from those guys. So we'll keep an eye on everything. We got Olympics starting late next week, opening ceremonies. We have the Summer League starting August 6th. Quite a few Celtics that you know and love are going to be out there in Vegas. So those things are coming up fast here over the next couple of weeks. We missed Joe Sway. We missed John, kind some of, of us tonight. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we'll, we'll catch up with them again next week. Good to catch up with Sherrod this week. We got NBA Finals, a couple more games here. Been enjoying Giannis. Still one of the best playoff runs I've seen as he bounces back from his knee injury and keeps killing it out there. And maybe we'll be willing to turn the series around. So we'll jump over to Green Room now. We'll hit on all of that. We'll give you about a half hour over there. The link is out. It is in the chat. We can repost that again. I'm about to tag it here. So we'll jump right over to there. We'll let you in. We'll have your calls. Um, Globe, Gary Washburn, something I want to hit on over there. Uh, Jason Tatum talking about the team a little bit with uh, Washburn or Team USA. Um, That was a good interview. Some interesting stuff in there, especially when it comes to Beal. So, I'll head on that over at Green Room. Come join us. Come give your thoughts on that and everything else. Sherrod, jumping over us with a, for a little bit there. Jimmy, probably give about a half hour over there. So come join us. Come chat. And we will see you next week here on uh, The Garden Report. Peace. We out.